TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Today is Ken Dorsey Day. Welcome back to Cleveland, Ken Dorsey. I thought it was funny hearing you know Ken's uh, press conference um, for about, uh, what was it, about 30 minutes during Baskin and Phelps today. And that sounds like I'm going to, to take a shot at Baskin and Phelps. I'm not. But I, I was listening to it, and I do think it was funny that, you know, somebody was like, ah, does it feel familiar? And he's like, yeah, nah, they've, they've kind of reworked this. It does not feel familiar to me. And then I thought back to how many times they've redone the building in Berea. And it, there was a moment there where it was literally every two years, and you'd walk in and would look, and maybe not completely different, but if you go from where it was at the beginning of the Mangini era, actually, sorry, at the Romeo era, to where it was when Ken Dorsey came back, I would imagine it looked quite different, much like the Browns organization itself. But there were some instant things that I thought stood out at the Ken Dorsey press conference. And as always, we, we throw it out to you guys, 216-474-0092. Did what you hear from Ken Dorsey today make you feel better? Did it, did it get you jazzed up for this hire? I still think this is a pretty middle-of-the-road hire. Right where Jim Jim Schwartz last year, guys, even before the press conference, you heard you, you looked at the resume, you looked at the system, how it fit Miles, how it fit your cornerbacks, and you thought to yourself, "There's no way this hire doesn't work out." The Ken Dorsey hire, yeah, there's some really good things, right? Uh, his history with with two guys who can run the hell, run like hell, like Josh Allen and Cam Newton. There's also some some things that are like, oh, that's interesting, including the fact his last two jobs, he's been fired as the OC in Buffalo and now as the quarterbacks, or previously as the quarterbacks coach in Carolina. Coaches get fired all the time. Not the biggest thing in the world, but again, kind of a middle-of-the-road hire. Ken Dorsey earned a fan today when he refused at any point to say Sean McDermott, his old uh, head coach in Buffalo's name, I believe he referred to him in nebulous as the head coach. When the head coach decides to make a decision, you don't really have a lot of power over that. There's very few people in this world that I will give the Voldemort treatment. You will just never hear their name. I will, And I'm not talking about just on air. Because there's more names I won't say on air just because of an awkward situation or me not wanting to kick the hornet's nest. But like off air, very few Voldemorts in my life. There's a few. And so it's the kind of petty that I can get behind. Most pettiness kind of just annoys me because it's not it just doesn't matter. But like Ken Dorsey got murked halfway through the season. The offense was pretty much the same. Josh Allen just stopped throwing interceptions. And everybody acted like uh, Joe Brady split the atom for the first time. 
and that Ken Dorsey must have been a, a schmuck of epic proportions. So I like that on the heels of the Ty Dunn piece three months ago, I like that Ken Dorsey's still petty about that. There's a window. When we get fired, there is a window that you can go ahead and be petty in after getting fired, and Ken Dorsey's still in it. It's different for every business, by the way. Um, now, this one might sound out of pocket. My other, well, okay, there's a few big takeaways, but my second first impression of the press conference today is one guy sounds a lot more like a head coach than the other guy. And that's not, the, the guy who sounds most like a head coach isn't your head coach, Kevin Stefanski. That doesn't mean he isn't a head coach. He is. And Kevin answered almost every conceivable question I had about him this year. Winning with five different quarterbacks. Well, winning with four different quarterbacks and then starting Jeff Driscoll. Um, I'm still not over that. Still not over the week, week 18 loss. It mattered. I'm, and I was right on that. I was proven right with how they got the, their booties kicked in the playoffs. I'm still upset. I have a right to be upset. I'm still in the window of being upset. However, um, at some point, Kevin just needs to stop caring. And and this is this is a bigger picture Browns thing. At some point, they need to understand the messaging just doesn't matter that much. Like there are two things you can do that are going to sell tickets and make fans happy. The first is you can win every press conference you want. And and everybody from Jimmy Haslam all the way down to the water boy can have the same messaging. It does not mean a single darn thing if you don't win. And the Browns are the Browns are coming off an 11-win season. Yeah, the playoffs are a bit of a disappointment. But, like, guys, this is a moment where you don't have to sound like in Kevin today. And in, in Kevin in some of his press conferences sounds like there's a camera in front of him and three gunmen behind him when he's got a script that he's got to get to. It's just not that serious. And, and Kevin likes to talk, well, I grew up at WIP. It's Cleveland. If you win, people are going to be nicer to you. If you lose, people are going to be meaner than you, or meaner to you. It's it's kind of just basic Midwestern, like, read the room kind of situation. And so that brings me to what I think is my third point. By the way, Kevin's a good head coach. Kevin is one. I appreciate Kevin. I just would like it if he could just loosen the tie a little bit and just relax. You're, you're one, you're good looking. That goes far in any line of work. Two, you're smart as hell. That goes line uh, goes far in any line of work. And just in general, we can just relax. The Browns can just relax. You're going to get criticized on something. It's okay. In the end, it doesn't mean. It, does, it literally means nothing. Like, this idea that criticism is the big boogeyman. Guys, fans, don't, fans are never going to love anything unless you win the Super Bowl. And even then, there's going to be one guy that's like, I would have done it this way. It, it, it's okay. But that brings us to what I think was just peak silliness, and that was Kevin Stefanski in his two-minute, terse, tense, uh, got to say the right thing, opening monologue before he introduced uh, Ken Dorsey talking about play calling and building the offense. Play calling, which I know everybody wants to talk about. We'll get there. It's February 5th. What's most important, what I'm looking forward to the most, is putting this offense back together with Ken, really leading the charge, and, and that's why he's here. I love Kevin Stefanski dropping February 5th. As if that's just, it's too, come on, guys. It's too early to talk about who's going to call the plays. It's February 5th. Everybody knows that's a February 9th topic. Everybody knows that that is a February 25th topic. And I, listen, I'm going to leave room open for the fact that there's a, 
there's going to be a moment where Ken after or Kevin after all the 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 the, the hires have been announced that we hear specifically from Kevin. That's at least the way the Browns have set it up. Can we just admit it does not take eight months to find out who's going to be calling plays? Can we just all agree that we're the Browns are probably pretty sure at this moment who's going to call plays? And the only reason why you don't is some goofy, weird, unnecessary paranoia about the questions it might lead to to your new offensive coordinator who sounds a hell of a lot more polished than anybody in that organization that we hear talk other than Andrew Barry. So, like, what are we doing here? Like, this is just one of those things where the easiest – and here's the thing, guys. Yes, fans will have different reactions, and media is going to have different reaction, and people are going to build narratives around who calls the plays. Who cares? You're in the offseason. And when it comes to this decision – who calls the plays absolutely does matter. And it's funny when people go, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. Okay, to who? Because I do think when you start thinking about what's gone wrong with Deshaun the last couple of years and what you can do better with Deshaun moving forward, who calling plays has mattered the last two years. Who called plays in Houston has mattered. It doesn't mean the sky is falling. It doesn't mean that if this doesn't work out this year, fire everybody, although that could be with the way that Jimmy Haslam's thinking or the way Paul DePodesta is thinking. It it doesn't mean automatically that's how people in Cleveland are thinking, though. And so I just thought it was the easiest layup. And this is like, guys, this is me speaking directly to the Browns organization because I can be critical of everybody there, but there's nobody I loathe in that organization I, I it might be a little might be a little too many people, too many cooks in the kitchen, but that's a personal opinion. Guys, you had the easiest layup. I watched uh, I watched 10-year-olds play basketball over the weekend. Nobody hits the easy layup. Nobody can. And that reminds me of this. When the easiest layup is uh Kevin's going to call plays. The easiest layup is Ken's going to call plays. And then we'll talk about it, but by and large nothing will change. But the people who will like it will love that. The people who will hate it, ah, they'll grumble for a little bit and then forget about it until we talk about it in, I don't know, October 1st. But the idea of, ah, February, it's February 5th, guys. Come on. Just, what are we doing? This is this is not, not national secrets, okay? This is not in the Book of Secrets, uh, in the Nicolas Cage movie, the, the second uh, national treasure movie. It's really okay. Just take that available victory lap when you get it. It's less that... The Browns failed in a big way today with the Ken Dorsey press conference. It's just they they had an opportunity to put one storyline to bed. And I think sometimes they obsess over trying to to get out of what will be the negative headline or you know they they try and just put a little too much thought into. And I don't think it's the same thing as when they used to major in the minor, right? But it's kind of a symptom of that. It's this idea of just who's who's calling plays. And I appreciate an organization that is thorough. But at some point, there's a difference between thorough and, and maybe anal retentive and maybe going a little bit too far when you can just come out and say, yeah, Ken's going to call the plays. And it's his experience. It's his experience in multiple systems. I got to hear be multiple a lot today. Love to hear that. Um, but... It was just the simplest thing to do, 
and instead it continues to be a conversation. At this point, like I don't like I don't think there is a lose lose option here. I think it's only win win. If Kevin Stefanski calls the plays to start next year, and halfway through the year he hits a rut or he feels overwhelmed or honestly the offense just isn't clicking because it doesn't look close enough to what he's comfortable with, he can hand it off to Ken Dorsey. And if you and here's the other part of the win win, if you name Ken Dorsey the the starter now, uh the sorry, the starter now, the offensive coordinator now and the play caller right now, what it allows you to do is just put that conversation to bed. And it just either way, I would feel comfortable with either guy calling the plays. Either guy's done it, either guy has had some level of success, and it becomes about fit. And so while we have this conversation, I do think, and I actually didn't end up listening to it, I will give Ken and Danny Cunningham credit because there was a topic I was uh, looking on the Odyssey app today, jumping around, listening to different things on the show, getting ready for today's show. And there was a topic that I think has been at the root of all of this offseason that we talked about with the Browns. And it's pretty simple. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of take it one step further but it was basically just, do you trust the Browns? And I'll be honest with you, I I think it's pretty simple. I think it's really important to say, I trust the Browns more now than I do five years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago. And I think they're in a much healthier place. I think they've, I think I've really uh, enjoyed how a- Andrew Barry, his philosophy, the kind of constant aggression and constantly be- being willing to make the deal that's right for them. I really appreciate Kevin Stefanski. I'd like it if he could just lighten up a little bit in his press conferences and realize that, you know, the worst thing that can happen is you give us a sound clip we're going to use for the next 24 hours, and then we're probably going to forget about it. There are some there's some questions I still have about the structure and power because that stuff matters. But like, I feel really good about where the Browns are. But that trust thing is really interesting because I think, in you know, I think it's funny to 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 hear from some of you on social media. At Nick Wilson says social media reactions brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. I think it's interesting to hear some of you guys talk on social media. And also know how some of you guys talk when we're we're hanging out in the Muni lot or when we're hanging out at the uh, the the West Third tailgate because there's a lot of why are we having the conversation about play calling or well why does it matter if there was any other factors in the Bill Callahan uh, in Bill Callahan leaving for Tennessee and I get it but the Browns have not got and I get it because the Browns just won eleven games. But I think when we get to the level of trust, this is an area where every time you have some level of success, you're going to raise the bar for your team, whether it's in their messaging, their decision-making, who they bring in, who they hire, who they trade for, how aggressive they are in free agency. And I think we're now at a logical point where I I think Kevin Stefanski is going to get a contract extension this offseason. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn to say that. I think Andrew Barry... It could be likely to get a contract extension. I I think they both had five-year deals. That's a good thing for the Cleveland Browns. That's also an area where you can ask yourself, okay, how much do I trust the Cleveland Browns? Because simply saying, 
well, I trust them because I trust them more than I did five years ago. I don't think we had a lower bar in Cleveland sports history than our bar for trust. It was just hire somebody and don't screw up the press conference. Pander to us baselessly like Freddie Kitchens and we're going to love you until you get out on the, on the, on the field and until they lose a game that they shouldn't lose or until things fall apart like they did with Freddie or, or uh, uh, John Dorsey's inability to manage others. Like John Dorsey, I still think, is a brilliant football guy. I think he really knows football. I think he understands how to build a winning roster, and that's different than just knowing how to scout. There are guys who are really good scouts. There are guys who are really good scouts and can piece together a roster, and then there are guys, and this is the step I think John might have been missing, there are guys who are brilliant scouts, can can construct a roster, know what, what you need to win, and then they can also manage people around them and manage people above them. That's a little bit different. And I, the last remaining piece, I think Andrew Barry has, has learned what you need to have on a winning roster. I thought that was this year. I thought, I thought if you look at the, the way they built the two previous rosters, the eight win team, the seven win team, there were some issues at points. You can't have issues, Right. There was some depth issues, obviously, that we've talked about a lot. But the thing, and, and by the way, I actually think Andrew Barry might be doing a hell of a job of managing as much up as he does down, which matters a lot in a convoluted corporate setting. But I don't look at it as just do you trust the Browns? Because I think when you say do you trust the Browns, I think you can say, well, do you trust Kevin? Do you trust Andrew Barry, do you trust Jimmy Haslam? You, like you can get into, do you trust the locker room? Do you trust Miles Garrett? I look at it more, more from an organizational standpoint because I think there's a huge difference between organizational culture and a locker room culture. And I thought there's, and I think this is going to be something that I play from Ken Dorsey's press conference. That is a Rorschach test, a Rorschach test for everybody listening. You're going to hear what you want from Ken Dorsey's answer here, but he was talking about, the offensive line, the offense schemes, uh, you know, this was kind of in in the middle of a conversation about that and then hiring a new offensive line coach. And I think this is a fascinating insight to the Browns organization. The thing I respect about this organization and, and Kevin Moth is, is how thorough they are in making these decisions. Like, it, I mean, it was darn near like a root canal to get this job. Now, I mean, uh, you go through a lot, you know, of testing, of interviews, of, I mean, I met more people in this, this building than I have in any building I've ever been in, just uh, in the interview process, which is awesome. As somebody coming in, like, that's what you want. So I actually think it's interesting. And, and again, I don't think it's positive or negative. And and he, he everybody was going to hear the root canal thing and take it a certain way. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that Ken Dorsey had the vetting program of all vetting programs. I think it's really smart when organizations take you through every rung of their buying process and you get to meet with everybody, you understand the expectations. I think that's a sign of good communication. I also think that it's a sign that there are a lot of people involved in the conversation. And so I trust the Browns right now more than I did five years ago. I'll even say I probably trust the Browns as much as I've ever trusted them for as long as I've worked in the media. They've had um, a good head coach, or sorry, a head coach I thought could win, and that was Mike Pettin. But then they didn't have the right GM. 
or they've had a head coach that I thought could win, and Eric Mangini. The problem is he was also every other job in the, the, the company, and those other jobs overwhelmed him, and that got him fired, amongst other things. So the, uh, Mike Holmgren, uh, Tom Heckert, I thought, those, I thought that leadership structure was really good. I mean, I don't know what Mike did, but Tom Hecker was a good GM. Problem is they hired Pat Shermer as a head coach. No offense, Pat, if you're listening. So just it, kind of the bigger question here of do you trust the Browns organization, I think it's more do you guys trust that the Browns organization is dysfunction-free? Because that, to me, is the end game. Maybe it's not dysfunction-free. Every organization, you're going to find this out. If if you had been in, if you had lived in and been a Chiefs fan or in the Chiefs media, or if you'd been in the uh, Panthers media, if you'd been in the the Giants media, every organization has some level of dysfunction because you're still dealing with people. But like locker room culture from year to year is something that is it, it, it ebbs and flows because you're dealing with 53 to 57 to 70 different people. And some of those are there on one year. Some of those are there for a day. Some of those are there for seven years. Like, that's really tough. Organizational culture is what truly matters. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. So the red flags don't go up in hearing Ken Dorsey say, I met as many people in the organization uh, during this process than I did in any of my other times in any other organization because that's the way the Browns do things. But there have been some reports, and we'll get to one of them later. There are some reports about who makes decisions and how the pie is split up and and who has access to whom and how big of a, how big of an influence certain people have. At this point, going into the next contracts of Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, a big thing for my trust in the organization, that I'll trust this thing is headed in the right direction, is if certain people start that their power is diminished. I don't think you can win every single year, year in, year out. I don't think you can win every single year with 17 cooks in the kitchen. I just think it's a lot. I just think it, football is so hard to win, and when, you, when you're trying to make a simple decision and there's somebody around you that swoops in with the it's like Armageddon where the guy comes in. We have 16 days till it hits the hits the earth, the asteroid that is. I don't know if you've seen that movie, spoiler alert. But like that works. I think the Browns needed the structure that they've had the last 4 years because of guys like John Dorsey and because of guys like Hugh Jackson. But I think we've gotten that first step was to prove 
that that Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski could functionally do their jobs and and could honestly just that they were worthy of being employed for their the entirety of their first contract. So if the Browns really want instead of over I mean just overbearing message mongering stuff like that focusing too much on what Kevin says to the point of paralysis when you hear him talk um it, instead of making sure everybody there's the same thing instead of firing coaches allegedly because of they might have leaked things to the media that that happens in every place by the way but instead of focusing on that I think the best thing you can do is start simplifying and giving more power to Andrew Barry and, and Kevin Stefanski and I think when I hear, oh, man, I had to meet all these people and go jump through all these hoops to get this job, that's not exactly what Ken said. I'm paraphrasing. That sounds a lot more like the things that I think have started to hold back the organization that once upon a time had a place in the organization. You got to start winning consistently. Ken and Danny this morning, uh, the morning boys of the morning show, um, having a conversation. And I, again, I like the topic so much because I think it's so much at what we've been hitting on the last three or four weeks. And I don't think it's as simple as the best part of where the Browns are, guys, it's not as simple as do you trust the Browns? No. Like, there, we wouldn't even pause five years ago. But we're we're still on the way to winning consistent. And I think the best sign of an organization is not, is there a negative report about things going on in your building? It's not... Do all of your player players get together and have a have like a like a massage train and just like talk to each other and just feel, you know hey these are my feelings no those are not the only signs of a the, yes it's great when you don't have drama in either your organization or on the field Pittsburgh Pittsburgh dealt with George Pickens at points snapping beyond reason this season and. They didn't cut him. They didn't trade him. They might do that this offseason. I don't know. But, like, they didn't do the thing that bad organizations do, which is overreact to negative emotions. Or when there were reports about Mike Tomlin's job security, they didn't overreact to things they couldn't control. And so we need to be looking. This is So, to me, where the Browns are, it's a lot easier to say, do you trust the organization? when the Browns uh, were a one-win team and it was obvious things were... we Guys, we were looking for anything, any ray of hope. We were talking ourselves into starting a unpolished 50-second pick in the draft into Sean Kaiser one year. That was literally their plan at quarterback. Hey, we got this, guys. Don't worry about it. Ruined a young kid's career in the process, by the way. That's the kind of thing bad organizations do. And like in Kansas City, they, they've made six straight... Uh, AFC title games. This is their fourth Super Bowl in six years. It's pretty pretty easy to tell. The culture in KC is pretty okay. Everybody else, unless you are Carolina or Kansas City or one of the five best teams in the NFL or the five worst teams in the NFL, you kind of have to just pay a lot of attention. And if the Browns want to win consistently, and that's the goal, because here's because this is all it, winning itself is not linear, but there are steps that you have to go through to be the to, for the Browns to be the organization we want them to be. They've already climbed out of the swamp, they've already climbed out of the tanking era, and then they went to and they went past 
losing consistently, and now they're kind of in a 50-50 state. In four years, with Kevin and Andrew and Deep Podesta, in four years, half the time they've won. They haven't, they haven't kind of got over the next hump, and that's not winning the Super Bowl, by the way. Winning the Super Bowl comes when you have a team in the playoffs every single year. That's when we should start to, yes, you can have expectations as last year. Well, it's an 11-win team. They're a lot of fun, yada, yada, yada. Like, yes, that that can be. You can, you can have a team that just kind of randomly pops up out of nowhere to win a Super Bowl. Most of the time, you've seen that team progress, even if they don't win literally four out of four years in that fifth, that, that, that fifth year they win the Super Bowl. But they've won three out of four years. They've, they've been to the playoffs three out of the four years, or they've been to a conference title two out of the four years, right? So what we're looking for now is, does it, does it, is it start to look like it should look? And that becomes winning with Deshaun. That becomes maximizing Deshaun. That becomes offering long-term stability to your coach and to your GM, which is contract extensions. But I think the simpler thing here is if the goal is to win consistently, I, I think the Browns need to lessen the restrictor plates on the two guys who proven they can do their job well. You know, I don't think Andrew Barry should be having his hand held by Paul D. Podesta anymore. You know, I think this is a scenario, no, no, no disrespect to Paul, but I can't imagine what it's like to have these 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 decisions being made and constantly have to go to somebody who's rarely in the building to have those conversations. And the the perception, whether it's reality or not, and we'll get more into this perception later, is that Paul D. Podesta is runs interference on some of the big decisions. And that some of his decisions and some of the things that he thinks ends up being what Jimmy Haslam thinks, and they become the reality. For instance, the firing of Alex Van Pelt. We're going to get to that sound later in today's show. It's really important that moving forward, the dynamics here simplify that Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski are the guys making the decisions and are the guys because they're the football guys. I'm, I don't think Paul D. Podest is just a baseball guy anymore. I think he can learn football to some degree. But in this scenario, there's no other scenario set up like this where Paul D. Podesta, the, the head of whatever, is kind of constantly in every decision and at points pushing for decisions that might be antithetical to what the head coach or the GM wants. That is going to become a bigger and bigger issue the longer Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski are on the job. It just is. At some point, you've hired the football guys, you've raised them in this organizational culture, You've shown, they've shown you what they're about. It is time that that becomes the focal point, that Kevin starts making more of these decisions, including who's on his staff and who isn't. And so I don't think that's what happens this offseason. I think there have been people outside of the two most important people in your organization that aren't your owner. And that needs to stop. And that goes back to what Charles Robinson said about the organization back in, I think, November, where there were questions about the, the simplicity of decision-making. That goes back to 
our questions about whose decision was it to fire Alex Van Pelt, those things matter. And I know we're all still in the afterglow. Guys, do you want to know how things look uneven? Do you want to know how things get really uncomfortable? Well, okay, you want to know how things get led to like you get the crap kicked out of you in the the postseason? It's when the perception internally, and this is the thing that we don't know because they got it on lockdown. It's when the perception internally is that your head coach isn't fully empowered. That was acceptable the first four years of the this season. But if the Browns want to go from making the playoffs 50% of the time to making the playoffs 100% of the time, it is time to actually give Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski the rightful amount of power. And I'm not as worried about Andrew. I think Andrew is is fully cloaked in power. I am very worried that Kevin Stefanski is not given the adequate kind of power in the organization. And that is something that I just don't think work, works long-term. I think that setup is akin to Dallas, where the head coach is always the outsider. Mike McCarthy, listen, Mike McCarthy's worked there five years. He's the outsider. Will McClay, the the assistant, uh, sorry, the, the player development guy, not an outsider. The Jones family, not outsiders. The head coach can't constantly be the guy with the least amount of power in the scenario. And I really do think that's where we are with the Cleveland Browns. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 